Welcome to another Fratello on Air podcast, brought to you by members of Fratello. That means normally, because now I'm alone, RJ or Robert Jan, and not with Michael Stockton today or uh, Balash Ferenci or anyone else from the team, but with Petros Protopapas. You probably know him or recognize his name. He is the brand heritage manage- manager at Omega, and uh, I'm very honored that he is on this podcast. Welcome, Petros. Hi, RJ. Hi, Robert Jan. It's good to be here and thank you for having me. I Again, I'm very honored. Uh, we just uh, had a pre, pre-talk for, before this podcast and you told me that you never uh, recorded a podcast before. This is true. In fact, uh, I, I never, I never, actually, I've never heard a podcast before. So I shouldn't say this to you because I'm outing myself as a, as a non-listener. Um, it's just that, um, well, uh, it just never happened. So it's very, very an interesting experience to, to actually do one now. So let's see how it goes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it will go fine. Um, normally, Petros, when uh, we have a discussion, and last year we did a lot of Speedy Tuesday events together as well. Uh, we were uh, together in, uh, in, uh, in Hong Kong and Singapore, for mm-hmm. example. And uh, our main topic is often Speedmasters and uh, otherwise Seamasters. But um, today we have something else. Uh, we will talk about the constellation. And um, one of the, the, the reasons is, of course, the recent introduction of the constellation in 41 millimeters for gents. And um, I have to, uh, to, to, yeah, to tell you this, and perhaps you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you know, but besides Speedmasters, I have a very, very modest collection of, of constellations. Basically, going from uh, from the one of the first ones in the in the fifties to uh, an Omega Constellation Globemaster. I have to admit, I don't have one of the forty-one or thirty-nine millimeter watches yet, other than here in the office uh, for review. And I thought it would be nice to have a a look at the Constellation collection in general, go through its history uh, with Omega, why it's such an important watch, and. Uh, why it basically was the, the flagship in the 50s for Omega. Um, so to start, to start, um, let's go back in time um, because the current or today's constellation uh, is quite far away from the very first constellation from 1952, um, f- of which I know that it was one of the first, one of the first collections basically within Omega. I think only the Seamaster was first. Is that correct? This is correct. If you want to, if you want to, like, literally say a family means uh, like a collection that has a name, it is true. It's the second only big collection uh, after the Seamaster Forty Eight. Yes, correct. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was uh, perhaps not a collection, but more a model. There was something called the uh, Omega Centenary. I was I was about to say that we'll probably run in danger of, of forgetting this one, but I think we won't. But we can take this um, from the beginning if you're ready, or if 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 our listeners uh, would like to. We have to go back in time. I think so. We have to really go back in time somewhere. Let's let's just uh, pretend we have an open window between let's say 1919 and 1971, roughly, um, which is the I would say this is the the high 
the, the good times of the so-called observatory chronometer chronometer trials. Um, it's like it's really the one of the most interesting um, uh, he, like ages or time of the Swiss uh, of Swiss watchmaking, because you had this idea that. Um, Precision was defined by again independent bodies, um, as, as as we have uh, with a certain certification from our own house. Um, and what better at the time independent body to certify precision, and to quantify and qualify precision than an observatory, um, since they're dealing with the movement of the stars and and, and all this. So the idea was born um, that uh, watchmakers or watchmaking companies could send them movements. Uh, that they think are really precise and uh, the observatories will test them against their most accurate uh, uh, time measuring apparatuses at the time. And uh, out of this idea was born the idea of competing against each other. And um, this turned uh, into the stuff of legend, legends. And between 1919 and 1971, uh, Omega achieved uh, more than 93 victories and uh, Omega set 72 world records um, at three observatories, at Cute Eddington in England, Neuchâtel in Geneva and Switzerland. And this is really the beginning of um, the idea to qualify and quantify precision. And this is where I'd say the constellation has its deepest roots. So that, that, that's very interesting. And it also explains uh, why the constellation has the observatory on the case back. And I don't think this was the case with the centenary. That had a, like a plain case back, right? This is all correct. Um, we've now uh, we've now discovered that um, this whole idea harks back to the observatory trials or uh, precision trials. It is true. Let's quickly discuss the the centenary um, eh, because a lot of people and even let's say um, former colleagues uh, at the heritage department have linked them ha have linked the the, the 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 centenary very very close to the constellation, which is in one end true. But we should we should see them as separate developments. The centenary um, was, uh, in fact, as the name say um, name tells us, was a watch uh, to mark um, the hundredth anniversary of Omega at the time of uh, 1948, and it was indeed one of the first, if not the first, uh, watch on an industrial scale or industrial level. So we talk about uh, thousands of pieces, actually. Um, in two sizes um, that came all chronometer certified uh, by observatories. Um, so this is very, very important. Yes, the watch had a plain case back or a case back engraved with uh, you know, the typical um, olive branches to, 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 to mean that it's a celebratory, celebratory model. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't as people say a limited edition because at the time we didn't do limited editions it was it was simply a watch whose production let's say a model that meant to run out of production as soon as the anniversary passed still omega managed to do thousands of these pieces and if you think about 1948 you think about an automatic movement an in-house automatic movement with a bumper wind uh, system uh, to to turn this into an industrial scale chronometer is a feat that uh, is is probably unique at the time. And um, was the centenary produced until the introduction of the constellation in 1952, or was it just for a short run? It was. Uh, or did they coexist? Perhaps? No, they didn't coexist. So uh, the, the the centenary ended production at some time before 
before the constellation went into production. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it would not have been a real anniversary watch. It was. It was literally. It was literally what it was sold and advertised as. So um, it was. It was out of production roughly two years later. So. Um, so within these, within the first, let's say, anderthalb, anderthalb, one and a half years or two years of its production, uh, we talk about more than f- between four to six thousand pieces produced. It's, it's a huge number if, if you think about that. Yes, and and yet you don't see them very often. And uh, perhaps uh, for the listeners who collect constellations, uh, the centenary might be something nice to look into. Yeah, it means that people who have them these days, they value them for what they are. And also a possibility exists that they that a lot of them never really left the first uh, the family, at least of the first uh, of the first owner, which is actually a beautiful beautiful thought. I I, I cherish the thought that some watches somehow remain in their families and are not i don't know that are not found as as 12 hand uh, rotation in the internet or something like that um (laughs) yeah but it's exactly but it is true that um the centenary let's say paved the way or was like an actual proof uh, for us and possibly for other people as well that it can be done that you can that you actually can produce a chronometer in a in a in a not limited or let's say not only handmade uh, completely handmade scale we talk about industrial scale here so this paved the yeah. way to the constellation okay so let, let's uh, let, let's uh, move a few years ahead we are in 1952 and then the first constellation is being introduced um, from what i remember seeing in in catalogs and uh, perhaps uh, uh, watch magazines that I uh, that I used to read um the constellation was really labeled as the flagship for omega it's absolutely true it was it was the flagship of omega and, and probably for some collectors uh, i think of a certain blog that's out there that was dealing with um, with all things constellation um it still is for some people um and it has to do with the fact that it is again it is certified uh, certified precision in its most pure um, and also in its more, let's say, available form. Because don't forget, or let us not forget, that uh, one of the many uh, strong points of our brand, of Omega, was always the fact that we didn't just, you know, invent um, or, or, let's say, produce a really, really cool new technology or a really, really cool uh, new idea just to produce it, just to make it, and then nobody could get it. The idea always at Omega was... Uh, if you invent something that that makes sense, that that really brings um, horology forward or brings quality to horology, people should have it, should be able to buy it. And the constellation is exactly that. It is again an industrially produced um, or industrial scale produced chronometer that, due to due to the variance in, in its in its models, let's say it's stainless steel, uh, gold capped or gold plated or gold or even platinum or white gold. Um, Everybody that that felt like needing one would find his his or her own her own um, uh, perfectly fitting uh, constellation in the catalog. This was also unique. Uh, the constellation was the very very first, and we speak worldwide here. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, at least, it is the very very first family of watches that consists 
literally only of chronometers. Uh, you don't find this in 1958 in any other brand, again, to the best of my personal knowledge. I, just, I, just, uh, I was just thinking about it when that ended, because I can only come up with perhaps quartz watches in the 90s that were not chronometer certified. Yeah. Uh, but even the, the first Manhattan in quartz, and I'm very happy and lucky to own one with box and, um, and papers, um, is a chronometer certified exactly. quartz yeah. movement and inside. And you're really lucky, even even we yeah. here at, in, in, in you know the Heritage and the Museum, uh, box and papers for that one, we do not have. So um, you are indeed a lucky guy. Um but but we shouldn't <laughs> underestimate also the you know um, it's very easy to to diminish or to downplay the importance of quartz whether it is within the within the constellation family or outside of it um, because yes of course it's amazing to have the to have the chronometer certified uh, quartz movement but the whole idea of moving on in the 1980s and coming out bringing out a constellation in quartz even if not all models were subsequently certified um, chronometers the whole idea is once again to to industrialize precision as good as possible and as, as, as amazingly as possible and, the, and and quartz is exactly this quartz is Quartz is the way to go if you want to move on, be even more precise, and again make it accessible to people. So it was, it's a logical step in the 1980s for the constellation to to actually be updated in a, in in a sense uh, with the quartz movement as well. Yeah, and I I rem uh, well I don't remember from my own experience because I'm from 77, but um, I think in the 70s there was a constellation mm -hmm. Mega Quartz which uh, ran at 2.4. This is correct. Megahertz. Um, it, it's in fact um, again to the best of my own knowledge and to our knowledge here at the Omega Heritage Department, um, it is in fact the only wristwatch um, or let's just say wristwatch sized movement uh, that has ever received the coveted. Uh, certification with the mention marine chronometer. Marine chronometer at the time wasn't just a marketing gag that you can that you can sell uh, watches with marine flags on the dial. Um, marine chronometer was yeah. was literally a, a, a certification of the highest grade possible chronometer, and usually only ships bridge chronometers, which are big size uh, uh, pocket watch size movements or big electronic movements of the bigger size. Uh, were able to pass the tests um, to become uh, marine chronometers. This mega quartz movement qualified really is was the world's first, if not even only, wrist size movement that passed uh, that passed those spring and tests. Yeah, Jacques. Okay, Jacques -Yves Cousteau. And, and, Jacques -Yves Cousteau <laughs> even is seen in many many pictures. Um, in the 1970s, uh, not underwater, but uh, you know when he's on board the Calypso. Um, uh, there is at least one known, very famous black and white picture where he's he's examining uh, some uh, some archaeological artifacts that have been uh, brought uh, from from uh, actually the Greek waters aboard the aboard the Calypso, wow. and you see him wearing the the, the, the this marine chronometer on, on his wrists. So it's amazing that it landed very even cool. on Cousteau's wrist and the Calypso. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, and let, let's go back a, a, a decade or so. Um, the, the first constellation had a bumper movement, and a few years later, it uh, had the, the normal, yeah, full rotor uh, movement, so to speak, uh, caliber five five. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, well, you had different versions, and you have the, fi the, exactly. the five six 
ones, 5.64 and, and the 5.61 and so on. And um, to my knowledge, or perhaps it's a rumor, I don't know, um, one of these first constellations um, has been designed by Gerogenta. At least that's the rumor that goes around. You can find that uh, on, the, on the big interwebs uh, out there. But often it's very difficult to have something like that confirmed by either Omega or the, the Genta Estate uh, or family, heritage. Yeah. 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 Do you so know I anything was, about I was, that? Uh, I, was, I was thinking this question would pop up. So, so yeah, we, let's just say um, we, do, uh, we do know about this both as a rumor uh, and, and, and possibly as a, as a how, how, how should I say, a semi-fact. Um, we, are, we are entering a bit of, a, let's say, um, uh, territorial waters here that are a bit more murky. And I will explain you why. Um, but before we do this, let's just add one more movement before, uh, because uh, you spoke about the bumper and the uh, subsequent rotor wind movements. We shouldn't forget the, the very first family of rotor wind movements, the five, the 500 series that predates the 5.5 five oh, yeah. and 5.6. Um, just out of completion, because I have to be proud of my own digging um, when I was still a pilot and, and, and looking, just scratching the surface. The very first constellation I got had, a, had this very first, uh, first uh, series of movements. Yeah. Um, and this was the, the first. I think, you have a, I think I have one with a 501 or something or there 505. Yeah. And this was the very first proud contact um, that I ever had with the Omega Museum when I was a kid, if you want, um, in the collecting world when the interwebs uh, didn't really exist and people sent each other real uh, letters, like mails without an E in front of them, like in envelopes with stamps on them and stuff like that. And I had the audacity back then to write to Omega um, asking for a spare part uh, for a reduction wheel for my 501 or 50 whatever movement back then. Um, and I received an email. Uh, no, sorry. See, that's the problem. I received a, I received mail, like real letter um, in an envelope with a little box inside. So the very first reply that I got in an envelope was actually signed my, by my pre predecessor, uh, dear Marco, Marco Richon. Yeah. And um, my audacity yeah. was met with a very, very friendly letter and with a small metal box where he thanked me for my interest in the brand and uh, please find included the small wheel you need uh, for your watch. So this was like my very first encounter with where I would um, apparently be destined to work in the future. Uh, this is really, that's why I wanted to share this with you, even though um, it predates the question you just said. So having said that, now coming back to Gerald Genta, um, RJ, listen, so um, I, I don't want to say um, in, in the speech like we've had a problem or we've had a problem here or something like that, um, but you know, I know how you work and you know how I like to work with my good colleague Alain here uh, and my watchmaker uh, and friend David and all the team at the Heritage Department. We like to dig deep and we like to really prove the things with papers as we've done together on the Speedmaster story and NASA and everything, where we managed to actually better on the story by finding all the truth. So let me just tell you this. Um, I know, and we know of these rumors, I can say they're possibly true, but unfortunately, and in all deepest honesty, we haven't anything 
li really in paper in our archives um, other than uh, a note from HR department back then that um, this yeah. certain in the future to be legendary designer um, worked with us at first as freelancer and then as part-timer and then I don't even remember if it was a full-timer um, but we only have that note so there isn't any you know any other paper trace be it minute meetings of product yeah. uh, product development meetings or whatever that 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 I can use to literally say yes it's confirmed um, I do know of a few interviews or at least of one interview uh, given by um, his uh, by, by, by the widow of him, uh, his wife, um, where she is um, recounting a lot of things that she came to know from him, and in these retellings are very very definite stories also from Omega. I have no reason to doubt that. I have no reason to doubt her nor his yeah. memory. Um, he, he is way too, too much of an important figure for the industry to doubt him, and I will never do that. I just want to be clear that um, I take the doubts. I I I, I will yeah. take them as as I take them as given, because there's too many people saying this also from 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 the estate and the family. Uh, it's just that I just wanted to be on record. Uh, to this moment, at least, we don't have any papers that can that that I can use to say confirmed. Um, if it's not too long yeah. of a monologue, I can tell you the things that look to be to have his, um, let's say, his signature or his um, his design input, uh, because we can compare a few things also by looking at other watches that apparently he did at the time. Um, um, some designs at Universal Genève are attributed to him as well uh, in the Paul Ruther family, for example. If you look at these and if you agree or if we just say that we take whatever is available and we just say, yeah, it, it, we take it as confirmed by looking at the things that he might have done here, um, you find similarities. So one thing that is um that i would say fits this category are the onyx the black onyx dial um indexes that you have in certain models yeah. both constellation and seamasters um this is attributed to him this is how i would word it um some people attribute even the existence of the pipan dial to him um which by looking at at the respective pole router uh, designs that are attributed to him, if that's true, then I see no reason why um, the uh, pipe and dials, the so-called pipe and dials at Omega, wouldn't fit the same category. Um, also, outside the constellation range, people attribute the, uh, the design of the Seamaster beads of rice bracelet to him, but there I, I leave it as is. It's attributed, and I can I cannot really say anything else about that. Um, a very, very yeah. strong point um, where a lot of people seem to agree together with interviews that were given by the family of his is the constellation C or the C-shape uh, constellation. Um, yeah. So there seems to be, let's say, other than missing papers, of course, there seems to be ample rumorial proof, if you can say this, that this was really, really uh, uh, penned Penned by him, um, there is one. I would just say um, there is. Um, don't 
pinpoint me because I don't want to name it. Um, let let the readers sort this out. Uh, not the readers, the, the listeners sort this out um, as a, as a yes. mystery. There is another brand that is quite famous for diving watches um, that have. If, if you forget the diving functions and the let's say screwing crowns and all the things that that make a, a, a pressure proof diving watch, the shape remains similar. So a C shape, if you want um, case. Mm-hmm. And there was yeah. an incident. Um, in a certain watch fair, fair that looks uh, gone and forgotten by now, um, where uh, for that diving brand um, there was somebody coming in and um, and, and saying, ah, um, but my um, father or whatever or my uncle or whatever um, designed this back in the day, and he was referring to Gerald Janta. So I leave it at that. Um, but um, if that encounter happened, but and it happened. Um, and we talk about the same sh- general shape of the case, then um, I do find it as um, semi-confirmed that the constellation C is uh, might might have been penned by Gerald Janta. That's good to know. Um, I bought one okay. quite recently. Um, it was one of the missing ones. Um, um, and, and I really have to say I warmed up to them. I had them in the past with the tuning mm-hmm, fork mm-hmm. movement. Uh, I think it was gold capped or 14 exactly. karat gold. And um, last year I I added a 14 karat gold one to the collection nice. um, with this this yeah this structured dial, no, this linen that's, dial. That's the most beautiful one. I, yeah. I don't know exactly. No, there is no official. You... Yeah, there is and no I, official I think, name for that. No, and I no, and I think it's a, or a silky dial, but I think it look, looks really cool. And uh, it was one of the missing ones, I have to say. And then. To be honest, for me, the most favorite ones are the the fifties and the sixties ones with the beautiful mm-hmm. pipe and dial, the dog yes. leg uh, lugs, and the the five five X and the five six X. I use the same terminology because I, I can never remember the names. It's yeah, exactly. X in the end, exactly. Yes. And and I believe that the C shape was also the moment that uh, Omega switched to the seven five one caliber. Um, yeah, um, at but, least. Perhaps at least, you know at least for the constellation, but there are also yeah. uh, there were also date models that still had the um, the the six uh, the six uh, XX yeah, movement. Yeah. But yeah, indeed, exactly. Five, yes, correct. And so on. Um, yeah, interesting. And then for for me, where where I lost interest a little bit, but I also have to admit that the interest is coming back, is uh, the seventies mm-hmm. models. The, the 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 mega quartz we spoke about earlier, and you have these big clunky models um, that went. Yeah, in all sorts of directions. Um, you had, of course, uh, in the sixties, the pipe pen. You even had the the, the Grand Lux version that I really love with the with the brick many, many, uh, bracelet. It, it spans a decade because it starts in the fifties and ends in different models in the sixties. Um, yeah, those, are, those beautiful. are beautiful. And don't forget, let's not forget that this brick uh, brick bracelet was resurrected in the in the early two thousands um, uh, for the in the Deville in the Deville, uh, in the Deville line again. Yeah. Um, so it, it made its yeah. comeback, and it's a worthy comeback. I don't want to be the one that uh, to assemble it or to have to service these these bracelets, <laughs> but they are a piece of art. Uh, that's completely true. Um, yeah, but, I think so too. Um, but speaking of the seventies, uh, allow me to allow me to um, let's just say um, I can understand how people can um, can lose lose interest a bit because the seventies were really all over the place. Um, since uh, well, I'm the kid of the seventies and I'm all over the place, so of course the watches were all over the place. But um, 
the constellation, if we agree that the constellation was founded or was born as a symbol of precision, um, it's a very interesting fact that you also have, other than the mega quartz, a few years before, it is within the constellation family that you find also some models that are Omega's, um, Omega's uh, let's say, version of the first Swiss um, industrially produced um, uh, quartz movement, the Beta 21. Uh, you have also Beta 21 powered constellations. So it still goes hand in hand. The idea that the con- that constellation as a family is precision, it goes, it still remains yeah. in the 1970s. So, so as we said in the beginning, quartz was, was regarded as, as, as a continuation of pres- of the quest for precision. It wasn't regarded, at least not at Omega. It wasn't regarded or at in Switzerland in the beginning. It wasn't regarded as a, a let's say, a, a less expensive way to precision it was regarded as the as the best possible way to precision for the future yeah i can see that and um um it's it's just the shapes of these watches that that uh, mm. put them a bit on the side for mm. me for a long time uh, especially in my my earlier years of collecting i neglected them a bit but i have to say that now I have my pie pans and uh, I have the later ones from 80s, 90s and so on. I have to say that in the 70s, there are definitely some very interesting models, also with integrated bracelets mm-hmm. yep. that I would really would li- love to to add to my uh, modest collection that is then soon modest. not to be That's very modest anymore. There's no modesty there. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no. And um, yeah, it's a bit of a pity. Of course, we, we, we have a bit of a time constraint, but um, I could talk for a long time about the 50s and the 60s models. And that's also a bit where my, my, my own love for the constellation uh, comes from because my, my grandparents, and I told this story, I wrote mm-hmm. this story uh, quite often on Fortello, is that uh, my, uh, my grandparents, uh, they had a bri- bridal boutique in the 60s. And at some point, they had to sell it because of uh, health reasons of my uh, grandmother. I think she had uh, back problems like a hernia. And yeah, it was not a, a one-day uh, or one-hour uh, uh, surgery uh, at the time. So they sold the bridal boutique. And uh, with the proceeds, they uh, they treated themselves uh, well and uh, bought um, uh, Omega watches. My grandmother bought a Lady Matic. And my grandfather bought a Constellation. And um, my grandfather was someone who really, he really did some research. He would love this time, to be honest, to to be able to do research at the at the tip of your fingers on the internet. But at that time, it was different. You had to visit a, a jeweler, ask for a book or a, a brochure, and do a mo- lot more work to get uh, get uh, yeah to get known with the, with the, with this, with the topic. So after some research, he went for the constellation. And my great-grandfather also had a constellation. That's now with my father, actually. It's a, a pie pen mm-hmm. uh, one. And yeah, I al- always saw my uh, my grandfather with that watch. And um, my father had a Omega, so he had a constellation, but he also had his uh, Omega Genève. And um, it was my introduction with Omega and with, with, with nice watches in general. So the constellation really is close to the heart, I have to say. And I'm moving a bit uh, quickly into the future uh, or, or in time. But... Um, my first proper watch was a constellation as well. Uh, when I graduated uh, in uh, 1998, uh, not for high school, but it was uh, like a, a school, a four-year education to become it, uh, yeah, to become like a system administrator or network administrator in IT. So just uh, like a four-year, not college, not univer- uh, not university, perhaps comparable with college. I don't know exactly. 
Um, but I received the Omega constellation from uh, from my uh, from my mother, and it was the constellation ninety five model. And uh, so that was my first proper watch. And a year later, I bought my first Speedmaster. So then things really uh, went uh, in, uh, yeah, well, in the, in the yeah. wrong or good but, direction. But I don't know. But, <laughs> but that. But so the constellation holds a very important place in my in my in my family and also in my uh, my own uh, heart, I have to say, and that's why Omega is so close mm. to me, and um, that's why I uh, I yeah I admire these fifties and sixties models, but I also admire the the Manhattan models and later models because that was my first watch, and it was not a choice from my mother, uh, so to speak. It was a watch that. I really wanted to have because before I received it, I was looking at watches and this was a watch without using internet because there was no proper internet at the time. Um, just Omega catalogs that I got from a retailer, much like my grandfather did uh, 30 years earlier. Um, it was a watch that I picked from the catalog and there was a Speedmaster and there was a Seamaster in there, but this watch really spoke to my imagination. And it also shows how much... I mean, I love the Speedmaster, but it also shows what type of watches you pick when you're not being influenced by influencers and make your own individual choice. And I have to admit that perhaps I would not choose that watch today, but at that time, that was the nicest watch I've, I'd ever seen. And um, yeah, that, that today that might sound a bit uh, strange, but uh, I really looked at it like that. And um yeah, it is still one of my favorite pieces that I, I seldomly wear, but uh, I really cherish it. And um, to get back to the storyline <laughs> a bit, <laughs> I'm drifting off. <laughs> um, so we have the 70 Speedmaster, and then in 82, something radical changed. Um, there's suddenly the Constellation Manhattan, and it's a watch with an integrated bracelet with uh, interesting facets on the case, like a half-moon facet, and there's a claws somewhere pressing on the crystal. There's uh, uh, numerals uh, on, uh, on, on the dial. There's uh, uh, Roman numerals on the dial and, and indexes on the, on, the, on the bezel that is under the crystal, and it has a quartz movement. And um, it's much like the, all the hype today for the Nautilus and for the Royal Oak, that we all know about and perhaps despise a bit, I don't know. But it seems that Omega was also a bit on that uh, uh, bandwagon in the early 80s to to show, hey, we can do an, a watch with an integrated bracelet as well. Well, I mean... I... Do you have some, some story around the design of that watch that I think was done by uh, a, a, a head of design called Mr. Allen? And a lady that was on the Omega payroll yeah, design that basically drew the drew the, drew drew the, the first the, uh, the first hand uh, hand uh, sketches or whatever. Yeah, it is true. Um, exactly. But um, so first of all, I, a lot of things that you touched are in, uh, require an answer. So I didn't really know the story that you are a constellation um, guy. One year before you became, you got the first Speedmaster. Now, now I can blackmail you every day. This is wonderful. That's good news for me. Uh, this is beautiful. Um, and um, so I, I couldn't resist to say this. So, um, uh, RJ, I mean, it's not only in the 80s that Omega did integrated bracelet. We, we, we said it both that the 70s were the time. So basically, yeah, yeah. I would say design-wise, although it's very 80s in a way, it's still a brilliant or it's like a normal uh, continuation of, 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 of a train of thoughts that, um, that you can really trace from, let's say, 1968-ish, 69 
1982. It's, it's really a continuation. It's the culmination of design efforts by many brands and also by Omega, just as a, just as a, on the record. But the design clues per se and what made the Manhattan, um, super special is a story that, um, has to do with the fact that somebody just literally uh, or supposedly looked at a mirror and, um, without being shocked at its, um, at, at his or her, uh, uh, I just woke up face and I need coffee. Um, the designer, in fact, looked at the mirror in a hotel in the downtown Manhattan area, or so the story goes. And um, the thing that the designer focused upon was not the coffee searching face, but how the mirror was yeah. uh, mounted on the wall and in the, in, the, in the bathroom. Yeah. And in fact, um, it's these it was mounted by using clips or, or we should say for fun, uh, we should say claws. So the glass of the mirror was mounted, was wall mounted and was hanging in place by, uh, by little clips. And it was these little clips that, 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 that furnished the last, the finishing touches for the design of the constellation. Because if you look at early, early papers that we have, the, the claws are, they're there. But they are purely decorative. They're just, they're just there. They are not really having a function. But after looking at this mirror, everything changed and the, the, the design was refined. And in fact, these clips or claws, as people call them today, or as even we call them today, um, they had a function. They, they really functioned in a way that they held the, the crystal in place. They were they were literally a part of of of, of, of holding the case together. So this is this is utterly interesting. I think this is one detail that 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 matters the most. I think with the constellation Manhattan. And yeah, what I saw in a drawing is that the screw goes mm-hmm. really through the case and connects to the to the, exactly. to the claw this, basically, and then and then pulls the whole thing exactly together. This is exactly true. And there is a second story around the name uh, Manhattan. So that's why I said um, the story about that somebody looked at the mirror is almost certainly true and not just an urban legend. Um, I the story that it was in Manhattan might or might not be true. There is another interesting reason why this watch is called Manhattan. Um, and it has to do with Speedmasters. And as you know, we've talked about in the past, uh, there is a certain, let's say, special prototype series of projects uh, for NASA uh, called Alaska. Yeah. And I think in, in at least one one of the Speedy Tuesday meetings, we've, um, we've talked about the, the meaning of the name. And we've said it's nothing to do with the state yeah. or nothing to do with cold temperatures, at least, but it's the code name. Um, and just to refresh our memories, at Omega at the time, you had uh, different naming conventions for secret projects. You had uh, secret names for movement-only projects. Uh, for example, yeah. the most famous one was the Albatross, um, where at first the, this bird's name was just the movement's name, and then collectors picked it up and then it became the Albatross, which makes no sense, actually. Um, so movement projects were codenamed by birds. So uh, we have yeah. tons of interesting quartz movements that were never developed, never passed the prototype stadium that have the most, the most eloquent bird names on them, written on them. And for completed product, uh, products, uh, let's call them watchheads, like the complete design was always codenamed by either a city, a region, or a country. Um, so 
yeah. a location, a location basically, basically, hence Alaska or hence whatever. Yeah. So it is entirely possible yeah. because it was quite a big secret project at the time um, because it's one of the biggest facelifts ever, if you want, or relaunches ever um, in, uh, for Omega and possibly also for many other brands. It was kept secret, and it's possible that they used the same naming convention. So it was called the Manhattan. It could have been called the Paris, you know. So it's um, it was it was like that. We have to go. We have to dig deep yeah. to see if Manhattan hotels in the 1980s have the majority of them has mirrors that are held in place by claws. This 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 would explain exactly. The- well. <laughs> I will I will add a picture of the of the mirror to this uh, show okay. notes of this podcast because uh, my, my stepsister has a, a mirror in her bathroom that is uh, I think mm-hmm. octagonal shaped and it has it is also held by these claws and I took a picture of it uh, with her uh, uh, approval and um, I thought that is an interesting uh, look because I knew mm-hmm. this story mm-hmm. about uh, mm-hmm. the Manhattan and the design and uh, where it comes from and um, then. Not much later, I saw this mirror in our house, and um, yeah, I will add it to to yeah to visualize it uh, a bit on the, nice, on nice. the website. Um, so I, I have this uh, this constellation, as I have told you, the Manhattan. Then I think I have a later model from the eighties as well, because at some point uh, they moved the Roman numerals to, from mm-hmm. the dial to the bezel, and um, it's an automatic one. So the, the Manhattan that I have in quartz is only thirty two point five millimeter. But because the case shape is uh, uh, Tuno, I think officially, <clears throat> it uh, it wears a bit bigger. And uh, the automatic ones are uh, or were thirty six mm-hmm. millimeter. And then early nineties, there are several different models, also with a day date, with these two About, little yeah. sub dials that show a day and a date. And you have them on a leather yeah. strap and and so on. And then something happened in. Uh, the mid 90s and i think it was a very special uh, era for omega because it's it was not at all the company that it is today in the early uh, 90s late 80s uh, it was less uh, perhaps less uh, successful at the time it was very, very difficult uh, for a lot of watch brands or perhaps for all watch brands and then in the 90s something changed and a lot of people say it's the seamaster 300m the bond watch that did a lot of good for Omega and became their bread and butter. There was the connection with uh, with uh, James Bond. But I also believe that in 95, Omega launched a new constellation, and that's also part of the success uh, of, of Omega today, perhaps. But that it really uh, uh, is, is a debit to both these models, the Seamaster 300M and the constellation. Um, supposedly... Cindy Crawford has something to do with it. Yeah, I mean... Can you elaborate <laughs> was, a bit again, on I that? I was waiting because we talk about the time where people... I mean, even I started to look at covers of magazines more than uh, more than anything else. So she has indeed a lot to do with it. Um, so we know that... I mean, it's the time, as you say, where Omega... I wouldn't say change direction. It, it was just... Let's just say we solidified it, um, solidified the... the where we wanted to be and where we wanted to go with more concise efforts and then let's say yeah. more people pulling on the same string and um, it's the it's the era of the you could say it's the beginning of the era of the ambassadors and the ambassadresses and um yeah. as also with James Bond as you said with with the Seamaster 300M um the idea of an ambassador that is, uh, let's just say, he's, he or she are simply there just to be representative, 
wasn't what we're looking for. Um, since, for example, let's take the male side of things. So the James Bond connection, as you know, came from a direct input from the producers and from the production company and, 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 yeah. and, um, and uh, the design input from the costume designer, for example, of, the, of, of, of GoldenEye. Um, it's similar, if you want, um, with um, strong personalities as um, Cindy Crawford. So instead of just simply, you know, let's make a contract and um, let's be happy about it, um, yeah. it's, we can yeah. be very, all very proud that uh, she had her own ideas. And it's one thing to make a contract and it's one thing to be labeled ambassadress of a, of a global brand. And it's another thing to want to contribute. So a lot of details, I cannot tell you all the details right now, but... I don't. I do know um, uh, that a lot of small details and very intricate details came from her pen, and came from input from her um, that defined the rebirth, uh, the relaunch constellation that you talk about. Um, I would also like yeah. to add one more thing that it it predates it, but uh, since we talk about small things in design, um, we can we can trace a little bit how how they are possible. Uh, be it input from from uh, from uh, Cindy Crawford or or elsewhere, uh, as you mentioned before, the very first one was uh, hand designed, which is correct. But I want to, and I think this is the first time we will mention this. So um, this is like a semi exclusivity here. Um, so L listeners, exactly. pay attention. Um, so for the geeks and for the computer engineers uh, amongst you. Um, so something happened in the very early 80s. Omega changed uh, or started to change from a hand-draw uh, hand board uh, company into, um, into a computer-generated computer image uh, designing company. And a very, very first CAD program was installed Omega-wide in the very early 80s. We talk about 1983 here. So this is like, this is huge. And this the system was called Euclid, and um, it was developed um, partly in-house within the, the first iteration of the group that we all belong to. And the constellation was redrawn one year, directly one year after the first hand drawings. The constellation, Manhattan, if you want, was redrawn on this Euclid um, uh, computer station, and this is how a lot of the more, let's just say, intricate um, design inputs could have actually been implemented. Actually, the, the case of the, the shape of the case, the half moons and everything, it's drawn in a very, very similar way to, to um, if, if your listeners know, uh, evidently classic, the black hole, um, Disney's black hole film. Uh, that starts with a computer-generated imagery of a black hole that is just a line drawing. If you look at the drawings of the um, of the case drawn by this Euclid platform, you're looking at actually a lot of black holes. So this is really, really interesting. And uh, I have to say this on air. Um, the, um, we have these because my good colleague Alain has found them in a cave where nobody cared to Nobody cared to list to, to go there before. Even I didn't go there before. And it's thanks to my colleague Alain that we have these drawings um, and that we can all marvel upon. Um, I had to. I wanted to say this online. Um, so there you are.
I'm very uh, curious to see what else is in those caves that Alain went in uh, for, for digging up these uh, these drawings. Yeah, there is a, there is actually tons of stuff. So we're we're still very very lucky to 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 have uh, almost untouched caves uh, with historical artifacts and papers and archives. Um, they certainly um, fill up some of the gaps that we have in our archives. Um, as you know, sometimes we're forced to say we don't have this information. Um, by constant discovery and unearthing of boxes filled with paper, um, who knows, maybe in the end, uh, we will have a full complete picture of Omega's history uh, completely based on, 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 on facts and completely based on, on actual papers uh, proven and undisputable. Let's hope. hope so. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and that brings me uh, to something else. It's, um, I think, two years ago that we worked together on a, a print magazine, mm-hmm. and we also offer it uh, digital on our website, about the Seamaster 300M. Mm-hmm. And I was there together with a colleague, uh, Paul, and uh, we did some digging in, in the archive. And, um, yeah, we were not there for constellations, but one of the things that I found mighty interesting is that there was a constellation, I believe, in 1992, but you have to help me here a bit, where there was a diamond on the dial, and that represented a star. And if you bought that constellation, oh. you could give it a name or something. This is correct. Um, it was, if I, if memory serves, it was done for the German market mostly. Um, yeah. and, um, it was actually called the Constellation Star and it had, uh, it came in two sizes. So you would have a, a like a, a lady size, like a classic lady size and a, what was regarded as a classic, let's say, Constellation Gents size. They had beautiful blue starry dials. And um, they came with this one diamond and the client could actually, according to the records, you could choose where on the dial you would like to, to have the diamond uh, permanently placed or fixed. And at the same time, um, you could name a star. So basically, if, if for example, you bought um, this constellation for your loved one, uh, you could name you could give, uh, I don't know, your wife's uh, or girlfriend's name um, to to a star, and then Omega yeah. would actually take this name, use it, or actually uh, enter it in the international star database, and then receive a naming a star naming certificate. And the client then received his or her watch together with a, quite a big, I mean, it's like A3 size uh, printed, uh, beautifully designed certificate. That chorus, that uh, also had the, the the confirmation that your star with your name are registered in the international star database. So it was a beautiful concept, actually. Yeah, it is, and uh, so, so it was uh, very um, uh, authentic. Basically, you you really got a registration. Absol- absolutely, you got an official paper for this. Exactly, and it's very very close. If you think, I mean, constellation, you have stars on the case back, you have a star in the in the dial. So it's very very close to 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 the origins and the reasons why the constellation is called constellations. It's, it's a very, very complete, it's almost like a circle, circle closing. I, th- I find yeah. this, this idea beautiful. Yeah. And, and it also brings me to the fact that we have a little quiz at the end of this podcast for people uh, that listen, where you mm-hmm. can win uh, something cool um, um, presented by, uh, by uh, Omega and, uh, and us. And um, we will unveil the winner uh, uh, a week after the, pub- the, the publication of this podcast. That's good. But I will come back to that later. Let's first finish our story on the on the 
on the constellation. So the constellation 95 was a huge success. We can say that, and um, especially in Asia, it 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 uh, was very very well picked up. Then in 2003, we saw the double eagle. Um, I ha it had to do something with golf. It's a bit. Um, 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 yeah, for me, it was a bit of an awkward model because so suddenly the constellation that was quite a refined watch went too big and bulky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, that, that was uh, later on uh, fixed a bit, in, I think, in 2009 when the, the follow-up model came. And uh, this year, and we are finally there, this year we saw the new Jens constellation. And it's a constellation based on the Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And I think end of 2018, the ladies model was already introduced in Shanghai. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I was happy to be there as well. And um, I think the Jens version is also more or less based on, on, the, on that uh, reintroduction. And it grabs back a bit more to the Manhattan than the previous uh, versions of the constellation. And that's something I really like because um, uh, some of the details are more prominent on the new, uh, on the new models. And um, like the claws, the, the, the indexes, which mm -hmm. uh, refer to uh, the, the, the tower, the Freedom Tower mm -hmm. in, um, in New York, which mm -hmm. I think is a really cool, uh, cool detail. The hands are changed a bit. Um, and it is available for gents in three sizes, 36 millimeter, 39 millimeter and 41 millimeter. And what I just learned recently is we saw the introduction of the 41 millimeter constellation and... I really liked it. I had several versions uh, in the office for a photo shoot and uh, to try them on. And um, I thought, oh, I really want to have this on a bracelet, but we only received versions on the leather strap. <laughs> but as I've learned, um, the bracelets that came on the 39 millimeter version will perfectly fit on the, in, on the 41 millimeter. So it's more or less an option. If you go to the boutique and you order a Constellation 41 millimeter, you can opt for the bracelet. bracelet yeah. That is basically the same as on the on the thirty nine uh, uh, millimeter. Um, I know you're from the heritage department at Omega, and that um, um, well, this watch is not really heritage. Well, it, it is in a way. It, it is. In it a does way grab back to the to, exactly. to the Manhattan, you could say. It, it's correct. I mean, it it once again. I mean, it's it's an overly used term that people get tired of, and I just used this term like uh, thirty seconds ago, sixty seconds ago. But once again, you have like one one more circle being beautifully closed because of all the design elements that you mentioned. In fact, these new models are utterly beautiful, um, and 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 uh, I also think that there are some amazing. I don't know, like very beautiful. It's, 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 I mean, it's the heritage guy speaking about beauty, but you have very, very beautiful color combinations. And it's, it's actually a very, 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 very nice and extremely beautiful watch uh, that, that, that not only with its beauty, I would say, and with its dials, it, it, it brings you even further back than the Manhattan, although it is, it is, it is anchored in the Manhattan heritage, but it also yeah. carries with it uh, quite a lot of details and, and, and the beauty of the very first uh, constellation models uh, with the pipe and dials and, 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 and very, very interesting history of the, of the very first ones. So for me, yeah. it's, a, it's a very complete, like a very big circle that came to a close here. Yeah, true. And, and I have to say what I liked is, uh, I think we, we spoke about it at the start of this podcast, is that uh, there are some dial versions um uh, that also have this silk dial that really remember me of the C-shaped constellation we discussed Absolutely. earlier that I have also with the silk dial. And I think that's a really neat uh, 
yeah, detail or, or uh, mm-hmm. influence from the past into this new uh, into this new constellation. Absolutely, absolutely. And Although good- I do feel that this watch is really for today's buyer. It's for someone who likes modern watches, contemporary watches that uh, are suitable for daily wear and um, um, yeah, for the next uh, yeah. decade or decades to come. And, and perhaps not so much a watch for the, the vintage watch collector and or enthusiast but that's okay because uh, it should be like this because you you need in in, in this in, in this watchmaking world in the world we 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 all share this 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 ocean's waters together you need also models that you know it's one thing to hark back to history and to use uh, vintage details and historical details but it's a completely different thing to to simply make a retro model and be happy about it and yeah, the good, the, that's why i like these new models because while you can clearly see the heritage you can clearly see the lineage and where they come from they are proud it's a proud statement of um of, of a new direction and of a novelty of, of, of an actual novelty and not of um Okay, let's go, let's go one more time retro, and that's the beauty of it. I think it's a perfect marriage. It's a perfect mix of 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 uh, of uh, yeah, like new ideas, novel ideas uh, being paired with details from your own history, and that's how it should be. History should be treated like this. You should learn from it and then move on. Yeah, exactly. And I have to say, if I if I uh, put my own constellations next to it, um, especially the Manhattan. And the later 80s uh, update and the Constellation 95, you also you see the influence of these watches in the in the new one when I put mm-hmm. them all side by side. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that, that makes it interesting for me as a watch collector and, and watch enthusiast and a modest Constellation collector, as I like to call myself. Um, and I think that 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 makes this watch fun. Um, I also feel that it perhaps could be a, a very nice uh, model. Um, to explore the European market a bit more with the constellation, because in the past we saw that, and as I said, the constellation is very popular in Asia. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, I res- I'm in several WhatsApp groups with watch uh, fans and, and friends. And in one of these groups, someone actually made a remark and he put the picture of the new constellation, uh, 39 millimeter uh, in there earlier this year. And he said, oh, wow, I've never seen this model. And and then I put in a picture of my, my Constellation 95. I said, well, it's more or less uh, mm-hmm. uh, an evolution of, of, of this model. And uh, he just didn't, never saw that. So I also feel that perhaps Omega's uh, um, um, campaigns or targeting is a lot uh, Seamaster and Speedmaster in Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I would like to see that uh, we see some more Constellations here, basically. But I think it's coming. I mean, uh, I, I'm like like you said before. I'm heritage, and so my department is a bit away from that. But I think from what you just said, and from what we are, what the company is doing, I think we're getting there. That's the whole idea to 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 make more, to make the constellation again a, a star that can shine in 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 more than one you know like more than one sky i mean no it's one sky but you know what i mean like uh, in a sky that you can see from other countries as well and from other continents as well that's how i mean it exactly petros before i forget and before we head over to the little quiz we announced earlier normally when i do this podcast with uh, michael stockton we start the podcast with a wrist check or as we call it a handgelenk controller because we have a lot of german uh, listeners to this podcast so what are you wearing today 
so Handgelenkkontrolle, Marsch, Marsch. Um, so, um, genau. Genau. So I'm wearing actually, uh, because I, I still, although we talk about constellations, in my, uh, in my heart, uh, at least currently, it's a summer. So I'm in a dive watch mood. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm wearing a Seamaster 300 vintage, uh, actually 1959 version, if I'm not mistaken, a CK2913. So one of wow. the original, one of the original uh, C100, C100, Petros, C100, um, Seamaster 300 with a yes, beautiful we can, dial. We can edit this, yeah. No, but it's okay. <laughs> Let's leave it there. So we, we, make, we made some fun with the controller so we can leave this in. And... Um, and uh, I'm wearing it uh, on a on a on a classic original Tropic strap because yeah. I was thrilled to see it in, in in one advertisement you actually see the 300 being worn uh, neither on leather nor on on, on its original uh, stretchy metal band but on a Tropic and I find oh. this is a beautiful combination it's it, it just cries it cries out dive with me and. Um, uh, I can definitely assure you I will have this watch uh, controlled or serviced for water tightness. And yeah. if it comes out well, this watch will see some action in August. Oh, wow. Keep us posted on that. I because will. That will be very interesting to see. Um, yeah, we, we will share a picture of your uh, watch in the show notes of this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, I'm wearing a, a Constellation, but uh-huh. I have to say I recently moved and I kept most of my watches um, um, in the safe, external safe. And um, otherwise, I would have, I think I've worn my, uh, I would have worn my uh, Constellation Manhattan and um, because it, it received a fresh, uh, fresh battery. And I think it's very fun watch to wear, even though it's small. Like I said, uh, 32.5, it, it, it's quite okay-ish, even on my, on my uh, well, not big wrist, but also not a small wrist. But um, yeah, it, it, uh, it wears very comfortable. But today I'm wearing my Constellation Globemaster. So mm-hmm. that's, I think, one of the other uh, sub-collections of the, today's Constellation. On the one hand, you have the, the, the Manhattan-based uh, models, and uh, on the other hand, you have the, the Globemaster. And I have been a fan of it since it was introduced in uh, 2015. And uh, mainly because it grabs back to the really old constellations with the pipe and dials um, uh, that I love it so much. But it's contemporary. It's larger. It's a bit more, perhaps a bit more bulky. But I think it's really a watch for uh, for today. And especially on the leather strap, it's. Uh, I think it's a super cool watch. And, um, Sounds great. Perhaps Perhaps you may know this, Petros. Perhaps that's also good to touch because we didn't really went into deep in the the, the 50s and 60s constellations. The oh. name Globemaster is sometimes a bit confusing oh. because because people think, oh, Globemaster, so it should have a GMT function. <laughs> <laughs> but the name actually grabs back to the 50s or 60s where mm-hmm. there was an issue with the name constellation in the US. Is that correct? Yeah, well, um, yesish or noish. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's an interesting mix. So yes, it harks back from from that time. It's uh, there appears to have been an issue uh, with the name constellation in the United States, um, but by now I tend to think that this is one of the next mysteries um, that we need to solve together, or we need to talk in a in, in a completely different podcast or even uh, in a small magazine or something. Um, because we were all thinking, or let to believe, that it was because of a certain air, airplane company yes. that had a certain four-engined uh, legendary uh, uh, transport plane or passenger plane 
the constellation by a certain company called Lockheed, and uh, that supposedly it was for, it was because of that. But in fact, uh, a bit of search in old magazines of the 1950s will reveal, like Life magazine and National Geographic and the likes, will reveal that you do see Omega advertisements of the 1950s, starting in 52 and going all the way up to the end of the 50s, where the watch is being advertised as a constellation. And funnily enough, even in our own archives, we have a ripped-off advertisement page of the Omega constellation, literally being labeled as that. And if you turn the page over, this ripped page, I kid you not, the other side is from a TWA, Transworld Airlines uh, advertisement, that actually shows a constellation plane. So uh, (laughs) I don't think there really was an issue there. I think it was something else. And we, we still have to find out what this something else was. What is true, though, that for the is that for the American market, Omega USA conceived a model that had most of the attributes of the constellation, or let's say the the rest of the world constellation, being chronometer, being all that, uh, sharing similar design feats, features, and it named it uh, simply Globemaster. I do by now think, but this is just literally me thinking there isn't yet any proof of this it was a local model so it was an american only model made for the american market only and i do think that the globe master is just a very very good name that you could use um, for a plane or for a watch so it wasn't necessarily like a problem with the name i think they they just conceived omega usa just conceived this name for a local product oh okay well it makes sense but like I said, it's a conjecture. So this is this is literally me uh, speaking like this. But yeah. evidence so far tend now, like nowadays, to support this this theory. Okay. Up, up until now, it's a theory only. But yeah. imagine this is how it started when in the Speedmaster days, uh, a few people started to say, "Well, maybe they didn't buy the watch at a shop in Houston." And then we went against the wall of people saying they did. It's about the same thing. So people think because one story was always put forward like this that it's reality, but in the end of the day, it's only reality if you can prove it. And we're currently working on it, so we'll have an update soon, I hope. Very cool. Yeah, you should uh, send uh, Alain into the cave and uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's find him some evidence. Okay, well, that clears. Uh, well, not entirely. It doesn't clear it up hundred percent, but it's mm-hmm. it, uh, at least it uh, gives some more information about the name Globemaster. Um, the quiz. I think it uh, it's a nice question. If you turn around your uh, your constellation, um, I think no matter what version, right, mm-hmm. um, you will see the observatory on the back. Sometimes it's in gold, sometimes it's in steel, or sometimes it's very nice uh, medallion. I think uh, on the Platinum Globemaster, it's in, uh, in enamel, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it also shows eight stars. Correct. So the, the question is that we want to ask you, our <laughs> listeners, what do these eight stars represent? Why are there eight stars on these medallions? And please let us know. You know how to find us. Shoot an email to info at fratellowatches.com or send us a DM on our Instagram account, also for Telewatches. And uh, yeah, let us know. And uh, we'll pick a winner and we'll announce it and you'll get something uh, really nice uh, sent to your home or office address. And it gives us from the Heritage Department the chance to to get the truth out there. This is wonderful. This is beautiful. (laughs) Very good. 
Petros, I really, really want to thank you for this. Uh, you did great, your first podcast, and um, you're a, a good speaker. And I think people will really uh, enjoy it. Uh, most of our listeners are commuters, I think, and uh, they listen to our podcast while going to work or coming back from work uh, in, on their iPhone or in, or in the car. And uh, I think it has been a very nice uh, conversation about vintage and modern constellation watches. Same here. So I, I uh, thank you very much for your kind words. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me and uh, me being able to represent also both the company as well as uh, our own department here that uh, tries to do a good job. Thank you for this opportunity. And uh, thank you for, uh, well, for picking up a topic that um, for us, it's also very interesting to dig into. Thank yeah, you very, I think very so. much. And, and perhaps it's good to, to know that the Omega Museum in Switzerland is it open again? Yeah, absolutely. It's open again. Yes. Okay, it's open again, and it's really definitely worth a visit. Uh, you might bump into uh, to Petros uh, himself, but otherwise, there are a lot of people uh, working there that uh, that are very knowledgeable and uh, can give a tour. And I've been there a couple of times, also into the new museum, and it's really worthwhile uh, going there. And I think you have a rather nice selection of constellations as well, right? This is correct. We have a we have a very nice collection there, and um, it's presented in a in a in a in a, in a rather novel way. Uh, at least for for the listeners um, that know so far only the the past museum. Let's call it the old museum or the original museum. We have uh, we've changed the way the watches are displayed, and we've changed the way how the history is displayed. So you also have like a rather active timeline, which makes it. Um, hopefully more simple for a lot of lot more people to to comprehend omega's incredibly rich history uh, than not look than at looking at simple simple showcases and the constellation is the same so wh wherever you find a constellation it's within a within a very well uh, laid out concept to understand its its meaning in the whole in the whole uh, uh, uninterrupted history of omega yeah exactly and um, besides the uh, new museum there's a new boutique I've been there uh, two weeks ago to uh, actually pick up a constellation for a family member. Mm. And um, I have to say that the boutique as well is really worthwhile uh, visiting. It is in a new style. Uh, it has a few uh, few uh, changes in the interior. And uh, yeah, it looks really nice and uh, a very broad selection, of course, as you would expect next to the headquarters. <laughs> but uh, it's, I think it's a very nice uh, a double visit. If you go to the museum, also make sure to have a look at the... Uh, at the uh, Omega Boutique in Biel as well. Okay, thank you for, uh, for joining us, Petros. Thank you for listening to us, uh, dear listeners. In case of any questions, please reach out to us. You can uh, email us at info at or send us a direct message on, on Instagram. And um, I hope to, uh, to connect to you soon again. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers.